Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. This is Emily Makings with Washington Research Council. I'm here with Lou Moore, our president and CEO, and we're pleased to have Neil Stregge of the Washington Roundtable join us today to talk about transportation. But first, Neil, would you tell us a little bit about the Roundtable? Sure. And Neil Stregge, I'm the vice president at the Washington Roundtable, which is a public policy advocacy organization made up of senior leaders in Washington's business community, representing the major companies in Washington state. And we try to tackle things like uh, education, transportation, higher education, and the overall economic climate in Washington state. Great. And I know that last year you did a report with the Boston Consulting Group on transportation. Could you tell us a little bit about what you guys found? The major conclusion was that $7 billion in investment in Washington's roads and bridges would result in a $42 billion economic benefit to Washington state. That's to residents, to businesses, and to the government itself. And what what we found is that investing in things like major corridor projects, 520, 405, and, and those sorts of projects, and also the maintenance and preservation of our roads and bridges would obviously result in economic benefits for all of Washington state. So a lot of these issues were addressed in the Senate's transportation package that was released earlier this year. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we have two priorities when it comes to a transportation package in Washington. And, and obviously, it's been since 2005 when the last transportation package was passed. Many of the projects that were passed in those packages have now been completed. Uh, one of the things it did not do was to invest in maintenance and preservation. So that's a very high priority for us, number one. And number two is to invest in key projects in important economic corridors. And the Senate package does a very good job of both of those things. So, Neil, it's been a while since the Senate passed uh, their version of a transportation package. What's the latest down in Olympia? Just yesterday, uh, House Transportation Chair Judy Cliburn released her proposal. Uh, she reviewed the Senate package and has made some revisions of her own. It's still very similar in substance to the Senate package, though it, it's different in some of the details involving reforms. And, you know, in particular, sales tax transfer from the general fund to back to the transportation account. The low carbon fuel standard was, uh, was a big issue in the Senate package, trying to convince Governor Inslee not to do a low carbon fuel standard by executive order. They prevented that by putting kind of a poison pill in their package. That's been stripped out. And there was a transfer of uh, some of the toxics money from the toxics account to transportation to do culverts and stormwater and things like that. All of that's been stripped out. Now it's primarily focused just on the transportation elements. There's also been changes to some of the projects having to do with practical design. So Chairwoman Cliburn put in a $1.2 billion marker for savings in projects um, resulting from practical design, which is an idea that says that projects have been over-designed and that uh, significant savings can be gleaned from doing more of a practical design process and, and not overbuilding the projects. So just real quick, if you know the answer to this, we've heard the term design build, and that language is also in the Senate bill. What's the difference between uh, practical design and design build? I mean, what, can you give us a little more detail of what we're talking about here? Practical design is, a, is an emerging idea. I hadn't heard that term before. And it's unclear exactly what 
practical design will mean in terms of design build because you know washdot has projects that are already scoped and designed and have a cost and those cost estimates have gone into development of the transportation package so now essentially what uh, washdot is arguing is that you know the projects that they designed are over designed and that they're going to find savings by going back and redesigning them or and being more practical. Yeah. And being more practical or, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's sort of unclear exactly what, what that okay. means. Does it mean less concrete? Does it mean less off ramps, things like that? It, it's sort of nebulous at this point. And just for the clarity of our listeners, when we talk about design build, we're talking about some of those off the shelf designs that you alluded to a moment ago. Is that correct? You would take a project and you would give it to a contractor and say, you're going to design it and you're going to build it. And through the design build process, then you give control over the contractor to, to ah. design it in such a way that you get the most efficiency and you get the, the best cost um, because they're both designing and building it. It's an integrated process. Exactly. And so okay. it's uh, how practical design fits into that is it seems kind of murky at this point. I'm not, it's not clear. Okay. So you mentioned the toxics account in culverts. Culverts is a pretty big issue. It's kind of lurking in the background, possibly a pretty expensive issue to be completely resolved. But can you speak to that just a little bit more about what's going on there? There's a court case. The Supreme Court has ruled that Washington is out of compliance with some of the federal endangered species laws relating to culverts on washed-out roads and essentially ordered WashDOT to come back into compliance. So it's a significant investment in Washington's roads, dealing with those culverts and removing barriers to fish passage. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's an obligation of the state and they need to do it. And these packages invest somewhat in that, but, uh, but don't fully fund the entire obligation. Okay, sure. Yeah, because it's pretty significant, potentially pretty large tab, isn't it? To replace all of the it could be it's yeah it's it's kind of unclear exactly how much it is but uh, it's in the billions for sure yeah what is the deadline for that are they I'm not entirely sure I but it, it is they have a, an implementation window sort okay. of like the education deadline yeah. where they have ten years or something yeah. to complete some of the projects so the term low carbon fuel standard. strikes terror in the hearts of some, and some are very excited about that concept. Tell us a little bit more about that and how that's playing out. Yeah, it would essentially be the state of Washington mandating a certain level of carbon coming from from fuel in Washington state, and that would create higher gas prices through more refining of the gasoline and, and the regulatory process. And so there's been speculation about how big that increase would be, but um, you know it would be somewhat significant. So at a time when the state is talking about raising the gas tax to fund our transportation priorities, the governor is also talking about potentially layering on a low carbon fuel standard, which has been controversial in the Senate. They included a poison pill. All multimodal money would revert back to, to road funding if the low carbon fuel standard was implemented by the governor. And so that obviously doesn't sit well with the governor or with the House. Um, who has stripped that provision out of their packet. And by multimodal, you mean uh, public transportation? Public transportation, that's right. It's also complete streets, walkability, money, trails, that sort of thing. Okay, so so I was the Senate that put the pill in and the House has taken it out then. That's correct. And then my understanding, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at the biofuels market, fuel has to become more expensive for those folks to be competitive which is an element in this low-carbon fuel conversation, isn't it? Because if you get into biodiesel or biomethane or some of these other types of fuels, 
they're lower carbon, but they can't compete right now because they're a lot more expensive. I think that's correct. I'm not an expert in the fuel market, but uh, I think in order to reduce carbon emissions from the gasoline, you either have to have to mandate it or uh, you know, alternative has to become cheaper. And as you said, that's problematic when we're looking at a gas tax to fund some of these transportation reforms and, and projects that we need to get done. So what's the schedule? What's the plan as far as the House and the Transportation Committee then? The House Transportation Committee is going to vote tonight on Representative Cliburn's package, and they're going to move it out of the Transportation Committee and into the what's called the Rules Committee, which is a step in bringing a bill to the floor of the House of Representatives. The plan is that they're going to they're going to pass the package out tonight, and then they're going to begin negotiations with the Senate. And our understanding is that the negotiations could begin as early as this week. Obviously, there's only two more weeks left in the legislative session, the regular legislative session. Many observers expect that there will be a special session, so they could have more time than just two weeks. But you know, the goal would obviously be to get it done on time. So is the, in your opinion, is the transportation negotiation kind of a microcosm of the overall negotiation that might keep them, you know, in terms of the budget and some of the other issues that, that might keep them there longer? There is no, no question that there is a linkage between the operating budget and the transportation budget. There are those in both uh, chambers of, of the legislature that would like to see education funding and the operating budget done before a transportation package is done. There are others who would like to see them go at the same time or even have transportation go first. It's sort of unclear exactly how that will work out. It's probably going to be a grand bargain where they all kind of get done at the same time and each one of them gets satisfied in some way. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens next. Neil, thank you so much. Thank you, Neil. My pleasure. This is Emily Makings with the Research Council. Thanks to Lou also. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.